smell something? Put that cookie down. Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Chancellor. We have a very special episode. Uh, and Josh isn't here. And that's what makes it so special. <laughs> We're waiting all this time for Josh to leave so we can finally have, because Josh is never leaving. He's never not here. So we well, had to I wait mean, for him he had to that, leave. Like, Eight episodes. Two months, stint. yeah. <laughs> Other than that. But uh, we have a very special guest, Mr. Stuart Tyrell. 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 As you said, it's Tyrell. But you prefer Tyrell because it sounds more, more street. street. Also, it sounds like the Game of Thrones characters. Um, <laughs> Liat- that's Tyrell. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Blade Runner, I suppose. Uh, the oh, Tyrell. Yeah. Yes. Oh, they, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you're all types you, of Is yours double oh, yeah, L yeah, or absolutely. a single L? Um, actually, double L. Double L. Double, uh, double R, okay. Sorry, double R. Double R. Single Tyrell Corporation. I think one. T Y R E L. I think the house of Tyrell's one. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so we've got you on as a very special guest because we're talking about making your first feature film, which is something you're in the middle of doing. Yes. Um, and we'll, we'll get talking the, to you in, in the, a little. The the the, the uh, anticipation of that yes was just. Yes. It's like when you're making the feature film, he's like, wait, what? <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> um, but before, you know, before we get into that, we always start by asking, what have you been watching? And uh, Chancellor, what have you been watching? Why don't we start with the guest? Okay, start with the guest. Stuart, what have you been oh, watching? Okay. I don't well, think you've been watching anything. You've been well, busy I got one movie last week. Just oh, nice. One day off. I went and saw Mary, Queen of Scots. The oh, cool. Is it any good? Margot Robbie and... Um Suarez Ronan, I think it's Saoirse her name. Ronan. Saoirse Ronan, like yeah. inertia, as she's. <laughs> there are whole videos on YouTube of like meme videos of her telling everyone how to pronounce her name. Is it a Welsh name? I assume Irish. it's a Welsh. Yeah. Oh, it's Irish. Oh, right. very she's close. Irish. Yeah. She's um, Irish. What did you think of the movie? Um, it was great. It looked beautiful. Um, every frame you could sort of really uh, take out as a as a almost like a Renaissance painting. It was just mm. beautifully, beautifully shot. Uh, performances are you know on point, etc. But it sort of had the. Um, have you have you seen um the favorite? Yes. Yeah. How does that compare? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. How does it get very different approaches <laughs> to period pieces? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I thought the favourite was sort of like a cross-pollination of like a Terry Gilliam and uh, Peter Greenaway <laughs> film. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very cheeky as well in its approach, whereas uh, I guess Mary Queen Scots is a little bit more stoic. And, yeah. Yeah. I've been meaning but to see beautiful. it, I just haven't gotten around to it because there's so many out at the moment with all the awards. It's quite, awards quite unnerving with the film <laughs> to uh, see uh, Margot Robbie in such a really uh, uh, stark makeup, uh, yeah, and and they really debeautify her in, in the most hideous ways throughout it, which is uh, I thought that was on, the point of Suicide on. Squad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> heyo. <laughs> yeah, have you seen the, so- the uh, production stills from the um, Birds of Prey? Uh, I've yeah, yeah. Seen pictures yeah. from it, but I'm just so uninterested in it. <laughs> Just pretty much anything that's not Patty Jenkins directed. Suicide on. Squad, I can watch because it is fascinatingly bad. I can't say that about most of the other. You can DC. hate watch. You can watch all of the Sharknado movies and hey, enjoy them. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Sharknado is fun. I love them all except the second movie. Okay, the second movie was very bland. <laughs> it, it it didn't do enough. Whereas the third one, the third one's when they hit their Balls stride. Out. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> Uh, Chance, what have you been watching? Um, so uh, I've actually watched a lot for once in this oh entire God. time of the podcast. Uh, so um, I've, as I've been talking for the last few weeks, I've been watching through Futurama. Finally finished season five. I'm now I'm up to the uh, movies. And I was wondering whether my opinion of the movies would have changed since the last time I saw them, which would have been <laughs> like nine years ago. Uh, Stu, have you seen the Futurama movies? The Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Shane, I can't remember. Have you... No, no, I haven't seen it. Okay, I, so- I watch like sporadic episodes. I've been saying I want to go do what you're doing and do like a season one onwards. Kind oh, of. It, it's the sort of show you really should do it with. Um, yeah. So I watched uh, Bender's Big Score, which is the first movie, which I stand by is the only one 
that feels like a movie. Every other one because- Is that the one with the time and a zero yeah. one zero zero one? Yeah, one zero one zero one. I've only seen like bits and pieces of that. It's the only one that felt like the story of the characters went forward. Uh, the, the, store, the scope of the story was big enough to warrant a movie for Futurama, which already has these big, crazy stories. Um, I, I still adore Bender's big, uh, sorry, Bender's score. Bender's score, uh, Bender's big score, sorry. Great movie. Uh, the second one, uh, The Beast with a Million Backs. Beast with a Billion Backs. Billion Backs, sorry. Uh, that's when the, uh, the, the crack in the time and space that Bender's time travel creates ends up it, like having nothing to do with that. And it's just, uh, there's, there's an alien on the other side that wants to fuck humanity. Um, and it does. And, and it's a funny movie, but there's nothing to it yeah. at all. And then I feel that's a very much the same with the third one. The third one technically changes the entire scope of Futurama because uh, the whole plot of the movie is that they're getting rid of dark matter because of pollution or whatever. And that kind of hasn't really made an impact on the story. Oh, now I'm watching the new seasons and the movie afterwards. There is one joke in the next movie that now they're using whale oil, which means they're <laughs> making things even worse. But yeah, Bender's, uh, Bender's game felt like they were trying to do something big and just failing at it hard. And then uh, beyond the green, yonder green thing. I don't know. Fourth movie. Uh, the fourth movie is once again, back to form. It was a good movie, much better than the other two, but not as good as Bender's, Bender's big score. Bender's big score. Um, and then other than that, I've been watching Russian doll. I watched this one as well. Yes. It's good. I, I, I put my feelings out on Facebook. I genuinely think this is better than groundhog day because it took, uh, like you were saying, it, it took something that we know this format that we know that we've seen used you know, quite yeah. a few times. And it just gave it such a good, unique, singular voice to yes. it. Um, as opposed, and it's kind of like, I, I was describing it as like, uh, have you seen the show called Killing Eve? Yes. Yeah. So it's like how, because like, Killing Eve, it's the the cop hunting down the killer. Like we've seen that a thousand times, but the voice on that particular show is so idiosyncratic that it feels like you're watching it for the that kind of genre or that, that archetype for the first time and Russian Doll's the exact same mm. in that respect. Like uh, a lot of people are uh, comparing it to uh, Happy Death Day, whereas Happy, Happy Death Day, I love. I love Happy Death Day, but because it's fun and stupid and just, just oh. You, apparently the second one's really cool. And no, like I can't back wait to, to watch the future-esque. It. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but whereas this one, it's fun, it's cool, it's thought provoking. It's, it's just- Very thought provoking. It's got so much in it. And it, it goes, it goes, and then it goes to surreal places. Yes, which it does. I was so happy about, because mm. I thought, I was wondering if it was going to be hard sci-fi. And it's like, yeah. the sci-fi is almost tangential to what the story is actually about. Exactly, and it's yes. it's so well performed. And it's, a, it's about characters. It's what I always say, yeah. that a story, you can have all this great stuff, but the story should be about characters. Mm. And that's exactly what this is. It and is all about characters. And they make really interesting formal choices to do with the story. Like there's not a lot, it's not visually like extravagant for most of it, no, yeah. but they'll do a couple of steady cams here. Somewhere. And then towards the end, it's like split diopters, oh. you know, split well, screen, all this Brian De Palma kind of. Once it got to thing. the second last episode, I was like, yeah. I was like, holy shit. This the, is the, the sinks. Yeah. yeah I was like, oh my God. It's so good. It's uh, so yeah. Clever. Really that, great. And it's, Natasha Leone, when she says cockroach, like that's just <laughs> the best thing ever. <laughs> a few catchphrases. Um, I was going to say that uh, there was this short film with Kirkwood Smith made um, using the motif of the repeating day yeah. before Groundhog Day. Ooh. Oh, wow. And uh, I distinctly remember it being, it was probably about five or six years prior to, to um, 
Groundhog Day where he just wakes up and does the same routine. He's one of those sort of um, uh, white-collar type of workers that just yeah. goes back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it had a really do a sort of an ending um, with regards to him just having to live that day over and over again. And oh. it leaves him with this sort of sense of um, despair about the fact that he can't escape. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh that's and great. it was such a stark film. I remember watching it in my formative years of um, film education um, that it was so, so uh, downbeat but also such a brilliant, simple concept. Yeah. And then, of course, Ivan Reitman came along and did uh, Grand Hotel yeah. and sort of turned it into the comedy, which has become part of the the thing the of that series, sort of yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I the like Sisyphus thing, isn't it? Like the pushing the rock up, going back down, pushing the rock up, and no matter what you do, you're doing the same thing. But I, mm. the thing I really grabbed onto with Russian Doll is they took the mechanics of the thing and they just changed it just enough because I love, uh, this isn't a spoiler, but the mechanics of it is this, that it's not a set time period. It's just whenever she dies, she resets to the same night. Mm. And, and then there's sort of, the implication that there's consequences to the resetting that are happening, kind of a little bit like Happy Death Day. She's yeah. kind of, ta- mm. Natasha Leone's kind of cobbled together all the best things about all the different iterations of that story and then just weave them together perfectly. Yeah. It's so cool. It's a really fun show. It has inspired me once again. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned on the podcast, but my idea for a Groundhog Day 2, which was just a story of these two scientists who accidentally create a time loop and it's all happening at the same time as Groundhog Day. So it turns out there is no magic about Groundhog Day. It's just two dickhead scientists. Oh, I remember you <laughs> pitching me that. And it completely ruins the magic of the first movie. And that's the whole idea of it. It's just bitter read, and cynical. I read they're uh, creating a, a VR game uh, as a sequel to v, uh, to Groundhog Day the other day. Um, oh, really? And it's uh, with um, Bill Murray's son who gets oh, caught, okay. caught in the loop. The fact that it's Bill's, Bill Murray's son kind of annoys me because, yeah. like, they're trying to bring in this link. You don't need the link. But, no, that that is that is a cool concept. Um, I love the idea as well of uh, – you've seen Time Crimes? No, no I've been meaning to Spanish watch that. Film. Yeah, and that, that's a film that sort of starts off with some uh, funky sort of uh, – Groundhoggy day type of uh, interlooping, and then it just goes wilder and wilder and wilder to the point where this guy's just, you know, screwing up his own life. Oh, that's um, clever. Uh, and uh, also, um, uh, there was also uh, uh, there was one about a time machine. Primer, Primer, yeah, Primer, Primer. I Primer. still haven't yeah. seen. I, I, know I, I sat down watching it on a whim, and that's not a movie you watch on a whim. That's nope. a movie you have <laughs> to focus like a motherfucker on. So yeah. I need to be in that frame because it's so dense. It's a very dense movie, which is cool. Yeah. Um, anything else you've been watching? Uh, I watched Velvet Buzzsaw. Any good? Uh, Tony Gilroy's. Yeah. Dan Gilroy. So Dan Gilroy. have you guys seen the trailer? Yes. Yes. Fuck. Because I need to talk to someone about it who hasn't seen the trailer because I feel like my problems with it is the fact that everything that happens in it is in the trailer, including the climax. Well, I saw like which Tony Collette's think, death is in the trailer. Yeah, Everyone's death is in the trailer. Every death is in the trailer. And I'm talking every death except for one which is the, the the very last scene of the movie, which is kind of like a clincher sort of thing. It isn't like, oh, this is a big death. I feel like I felt it was so incredibly anticlimactic because you see the ending in the trailer and because it was in the trailer, I didn't think it was the ending. And I was like, oh, where's this? Go- oh, it just ends there. Okay. Damn, wow. I hate All that. Right. Netflix are usually really good with trailers too. So Yeah, I thought that as well, but- and because like I really loved the satire of it, I thought it was very funny. Uh, my wife hated it. Chanel hated it the entire time. Um, but but I get that. I get that. I I because I, I was very much buying into this satire of the world they had built and the, the art, the way they talked about art was hilarious, uh, and the way they died was very funny. 
And then the ending happened and I was like, oh, what? Huh? What? You compared it to Douglas Adams almost. Yeah. Well, yeah. Douglas Adams is famous for his anticlimactic endings. He's so anticlimactic that the last book he was writing, he died halfway before finishing it and they still released it as is. <laughs> and as far as I'm aware, that's how he intended to release it. <laughs> I'm going to die halfway through writing. Yeah. But, can't um, be more anticlimactic than that. But Shane- what have you been watching? I've been watching quite a bit. I, I also thought I'd include some scripts that I've read because I oh, read okay. a new Brian Duffield script called Under the Bed. Ooh, okay. Which is like a Amblin-esque story, but it goes into like full horror territory. It's basically like a family and then the little kid has an imaginary friend who's like a real monster, but then the parents react as real parents would react if your child turned up with a creature following it that could weirdly talk and do magical things okay. and they freak the fuck out. And it's like a, a horror-esque family drama comedy thing. It's like Brian Duffield. He's like, I don't know if you've, uh, he's a screenwriter. A lot of his stuff's ended up on the blacklist, the whole blacklist, but hasn't necessarily been made with the exception of, um, they made Jane, Jane got, got a gun, gun, but they butchered the script really badly. And then uh, the babysitter, which is a Netflix movie, which is pretty accurate to the script for that the was most part. Film, was yeah, it? yeah. 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 Um, like that one. Cause now, now I've read the script for it. Like there are moments that are straight out of the script, like the uh, the moment the where fuck? it goes, "What the fuck?" is yeah. just a page on the script. Because so. like something like the script takes like a major turn, like fifteen minutes in, like a total one eighty, and and you're like, and that happens in the script. You're like, "What the fuck?" You turn the page, and it's literally the entire script page is just big bold, "What the fuck?" Fabulous. on the page. So it just like <laughs> he he uses the form of the script to really help tell the story, mm. and um he pulls that back a little bit on under the bed because it okay. doesn't need it because it, yeah. but it's a really fun. Like I'm like I would just this is a a great movie. This is like yeah. a better version of Inside Out for me. Like, oh wow, <laughs> I wasn't a big Inside Out fan. But anyway, um, I watched Assault on Precinct Thirteen for the first time. Oh, oh wait, which one? Oh wait, I you were at Alex's the John house, Carpenter right? One. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's correct. Uh, good. <laughs> it's the most um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Austere of John Carpenter's thing. Yeah. It's the least sort of. Uh, flashy kind of thing. Well, it's kind he, of strict. That was his work. first movie, wasn't it? It was his first yeah. feature. He had but still, no, no, I know he cool did Oh, oh you did Dark Star before Dark that. Dark Star was yeah. a bonus feature on this Blu-ray, and I started Dark Star, and I stopped Dark Star because it's bad. It was Alien, <laughs> it's but bad. made by John Carpenter. But it's supposed to be a comedy. Oh, is it? It, it is considered it a satire, and I I was like, no, I can't do this, so stop. But I, I really liked Salt on Precinct 13. I think mm. the ending's a little sudden and a little, we ran out. So here's the ending kind of yeah. thing. It felt like that, but I didn't hate it. I rewatched Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Still Great. my favorite one. Fabulous. Agreed. So good. That motorbike chase, like mm. nothing compares to that motorbike I'm chase. I'm a ghost protocol man hot through and well, through, but I will I'd, not argue. I'd have to say, yeah, I'd agree with John. So oh. Suck it. I think that was <laughs> you may have had a good villain, but we had a better movie. Um, and then uh, uh, then I watched uh, High Flying Bird, which is Steven Soderbergh's Netflix movie oh. shot on an iPhone. Oh, yeah. Right. And- it's good. Right. It's mm. probably my first like, fuck yeah, this is a really solid, great movie of 2018. And I don't like basketball and it's all about basketball. Okay. I still don't like basketball after watching it, <laughs> but it, it's it's shot so well. He just like, Steven Soderbergh knows how to shoot his way through a fucking scene. So there'll be people sitting, because it's all about like the wheeling and dealing behind getting people's players contracts and all that stuff because it's on like a lockdown because some deal hasn't gone through kind of like a government shutdown, something hasn't been negotiated. And so players are kind of hanging in the air and there's all this like negotiating between the agents, between the, the NBA and all that kind of stuff. 
And it's and and so a lot of these movies, people sitting down talking, and he just shoots his way through a scene, like does all these deliberate line crosses and everything. And he, because he's on the iPhone, he uses that deep focus. He uses yeah. those wider angles to his advantage, and it's so engaging and thrilling. And it's so well acted, and it's really weird. It's from the writer of Moonlight, and Moonlight's like this meditative drama. There's not a lot of dialogue, kind of thing. And High Flying Birds, like Sorkin whip cracking, bang, 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 bang dialogue. And I'm like, shit, this writer's got range and it shots well. It, I just, it, I can, can't recommend it enough. And it's really great to watch as an iPhone movie too. Cause you're like, oh, it, you can make a really enthralling movie shot on an iPhone. It doesn't have to be like, oh, we're going to excuse this because it's an iPhone. Like he does some really cool stuff. There's occasional like one or two little weird camera jitters that you like as artifacting from the camera or because of the rigs yeah. they're on, but you almost forget about it because it's just, it's shot so well and acted so well and written so well. So I can highly recommend that. He did the horror film, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, well, it's like a, something so or? he did no. Unsane, Unsane sorry. which okay. is sort of like a psychological thriller, but mm. it's very pulpy at the same time. Mm. I love that movie up until the, like the final scene. Uh, but again, that's the way he uses the iPhone because he can stick it in a sink and film her over a sink yeah. because that's what you can do with it. And so it it he uses it well. He knows the medium he's shooting on and uses it. So I'm Mom really Soderberg, trying to make Ocean's 14 on an iPhone. <laughs> well, I just, I really want to get like my hands into his filmography and look at like sex lies mm. and videotape and all those kind of early ones and just see him like experimenting. Cause he's the, he's the kind of director that's always experimenting, always figuring yep. things out. So yeah. Anyway, Stuart, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Introduce yourself. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I guess uh, the context for me being invited here is uh, yeah. I was a uh, teacher of Chan stars at uh, the James C Academy. Yep, I um, learnt a lot from you. Editing? Mainly yeah, Avid. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know how to use Avid. I still don't know how to use Avid. Avid. But Nobody what I- knows how to use Avid. <laughs> <laughs> the people who invented Avid. myself, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, some background. Is that, yep. Yeah, yeah, um, So uh, I started my film journey, I guess, in Melbourne. Um, after I graduated high school, I uh, uh, sort of didn't make it into university. I didn't actually get my high school certificates. I oh, failed it. Ooh. So... Uh, I sort of uh, sat around twiddling my thumbs for a little bit while my mates went off to, to uni and uh, always had a passion for film. Uh, I was one of those sorts of guys. I grew up in the video tape yeah. era. So um, I, uh, since I turned 18, ran down to half a dozen of the local uh, video stores and just rented out everything I can possibly get and bled them dry. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, no, that, that, that feels of... too real to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. I miss that. Oh, I, I do too. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's um, very much a... I've got a history we'll never return to, I don't <laughs> yeah. think now. But uh, uh, so and I got my first break on um, uh, working on uh, Flying Doctors originally. Oh, cool. um, so I got to work in the art department as just a sort of small attachment and got to watch how everybody works and saw my first oh, professional cool. set in action. So that was produced at uh, Crawford Productions, which are one of the big sort of um, production houses that produced most of the classic Australian dramas in the 70s and 80s before they went bust. Um, <laughs> and uh, then from there it sort of uh, started to roll into other things. So I worked as a freelance runner largely, I guess, um, for quite a few of those years. So Neighbours, Hey, It's Saturday, uh, the, oh, late, cool. the Late Show and uh, DGEN, uh, where they originally Ooh. started, The Big Gig, uh, which is a comedy show that had a lot of the uh, the classic comedians you know, oh, that's in, their, awesome. in their prime, um, uh, they had these giant cockatoos that uh, they uh, had in the in the stage. And at the end of the show, it was traditional for everybody to sort of get into the stage and just sort of dance. And they had usually had a, a guest live band. And these cockatoos were stage uh, ceiling type type high. And yeah. uh, one of my jobs was to blow it up. 
So <laughs> each week we had to basically pump this thing up to a, to a huge stage and then we had the giant stocking. Which, you did uh, have a pump. You weren't just blowing into it, were you? Uh, no, no, no. I was, Ooh, uh, thank God, because yeah. that would have been lungs of steel. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. No, <laughs> it was a machine. But, uh, so, you know, stuff like that. And I got to witness, you know, uh, Hey Hat Saturday, I guess, in its prime and uh, worked on a television show called Chances, um, which is uh, uh, kind of like – it was a sort of throwback to Alvin Purple, um, the boxy type stuff, but for television. Right. So it had Jer- Jeremy Sims and um, Michael Caton Jones on it and that sort of thing. Uh, famous, uh, Jeremy at the time was famous for burying his bum a lot. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, so you got to see a lot of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit of it. Just um, just like the real film industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, and so I sort of did a lot of that sort of freelance work and uh, in between I was sort of skilling up in uh, various aspects of filmmaking. When I was on The Flying Doctors, the uh, director took me to lunch and said, um, the best thing for you to do if you want to sort of have my job is to learn everybody else's as much as possible. Yeah. So uh, uh, I worked in radio um, oh, for a number of years um, in a radio station called 3RPH, which is set up for the print handicap, but uh, had a lot, a lot of cross-pollination with the ABC at that time. Cool. Um, and uh, I started shooting weddings on weekends and oh, yeah. classic of, uh, movie. you know yeah. how we all sort of uh, started uh, i started in the film era though so and videotape <laughs> era i guess so uh used to shoot on these giant cameras that yeah. you carried around on your shoulders and they had porter packs which are sort of a, oh, yeah. a video oh, wow. cassette recorder you, you had a slung over your shoulder as well as the camera on, on the, uh, oh the same shoulder um and uh from there uh i guess i, I sort of um developed my cinema cinematography type skills uh, that was sort of my strength uh, I was a panel operator and producer for uh, a lot of shows and, and ads and all that sort of thing and then sort of got to a point where I wasn't quite getting the international experience that I had really sought and Warner Brothers was open up here in Queensland so I made the move up to Queensland to uh, take up some formative film studies at Griffith University. The only person in Australia who moved from Melbourne <laughs> to <laughs> Queensland yeah. for film work. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's uh, probably crazy in hindsight. but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you yeah. made a major mistake, but hey, you're here now. <laughs> well, that's it, you know. Um, we, we all <laughs> make certain decisions in our lives and uh, end up regretting it. Um, so, yeah, I, I uh, got up here and studied uh, at Griffith University, went to my master's level, um, had um, uh, sort of experience down in Warner Brothers in the special effects house, working with the motion control rigs. Oh, cool. and, oh, ooh, oh shit, yeah. Um, became a sort of a film slut. So I just <laughs> wanted to work on anything that I could possibly uh, work on just for, for experience and, uh, uh, yeah, it's just uh, probably hundreds of short films and docos wow. and you know, TVCs, anything I can get my hands on in any capacity that I could just to build up those sorts of skills. Uh, yeah. Meantime, I've made a few little short films here and there that went nowhere and um, – and, uh, I feel your pain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's part of the journey. Um, yeah. if, you, if you want to make it in the film industry, you've got to get through. Uh, Going nowhere. Mountains yes. of rejection. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. it. yeah, it's 99% rejection, that's for sure. Um, yeah, and then uh, it slowly became more and more sort of uh, professional, I guess, and uh, became a committee member of the ASC, Australian Screen Editors Guild. Oh, um, cool. And... Uh, I've uh, become an educator, I suppose. Uh, this is my 10th year of teaching. <laughs> you suppose. Um, so. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just looking at chance now. I'm not You're like, entirely oh, sure. have I done a good job? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, you try and sort of uh, help these young minds, you know, develop into becoming better filmmakers, but... Uh, no. In Sometimes, some cases, some uh, people just some can't people be just, helped. No, that's, right. that's fair so enough. You could do charity every now and then. You know, <laughs> to sort of help them out. Uh, uh, keep them occupied on the weekends so they're not on the street causing havoc. Um, <laughs> that's cool. And so now you, 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 
you've, you're so, in the midst of shooting your first feature? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I sort of got had that rocking chair moment where I thought, I've got to try it, you know, otherwise I'll never try it. And uh, I have a commitment, obviously, to university um, education and uh, there was a sort of a period of time where I, I didn't have to teach and thought, all right, I'll just give it a go. And um, so the film is um, it's called Brisbane. Uh, it's a, a script that I've sort of been toying around with for about five years. Um, a commercial photographer as well, shoot a lot around QPAC and oh, uh, cool. the council, et cetera, and uh, just have seen a lot of life in the city. And I think, um, and this is where it kind of sort of comes in from coming from Melbourne, I think Brisbane's actually a really beautiful city and it's got a, a lot of uh, value to it and, and its character and um, also the uh, the people that populate it. Yeah. It's, it's really a... The uh, only person who can write a love letter to Brisbane <laughs> is to someone who's not originally from here. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. That's true. And so it's like, um, a, like a, so a romantic comedy? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I've been doing street photography essentially um, um, through five years and just looking at the changes within the city with the architecture, et cetera, and I thought it's really uh, interesting how Brisbane doesn't have a great deal of reverence for its own history. Yeah. And mm. so this idea developed out of that where uh, I had a film and I've, I've used essentially Before Sunrise or the whole sort of Linklater trilogy ah, yes. as a sort of a catalyst. Yes. What can I shoot really cheaply that has a huge amount of production value to it yeah. and <laughs> uh, can also sort of have a, a pocket of time type um, uh, aspect to it. And so that's where the, the sort of germ of the idea came from, two strangers meet in uh, Brisbane and uh, then they you know, wander the city essentially looking at the sights and sounds. So the setup or my log line, I guess. Um, is, <laughs> the ele- uh, give me the elevator pitch, Ken. Yeah, the elevator pitch. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Well, um, I, uh, uh, so it's a, it's about uh, a Brisbane history professor um, and a uh, visiting PA from uh, Adelaide to, to an art dealer who becomes stranded, uh, meets up with the professor just by chance. Um, she reveals a disdain for history, which the Brisbane professor uh, um, obviously takes to heart and says, all right, I'm taking you on a walking tour of the city and I'll, I'll give you the rundown on everything. Oh, cool. And oh, uh, he's carrying around a, uh, a valuable in a pouch that we don't know what's in it. So I've got a MacGuffin essentially that I'm oh, yes. sort of weaved into it. Perfect. And uh, uh, he uh, loses it um, at a certain point in the film and uh, uh, some tourists end up going to the same place and uh, they assume that tourists might have it. And there's a little girl in the uh, the tourist family that, uh, that picks it up and pocks it and uh, they say go, go in uh, pursuit of the, the tourists around cool. all the iconic sites of Brisbane. Oh, cool. Oh, sweet. That's a really cool device to kind of to flip that. What yeah. was the, what's the, the thing that made you go like, oh, uh, this one is my first feature? Was there any sort of in, thing in particular or was it like, I just need to make a feature, I've got this? Kind of <laughs> yeah, like. well, of course we all have, the, you know, script ideas that are lying around yeah, in the drawer, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. But, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's the classic old thing. It's, it's, uh, it comes from a personal aspect, whatever sort of means something to you and uh, I value history a lot and that's the theme that runs through the film, how we uh, interact with it, uh, how we document it, um, the, the history that we have between each other. Yeah. Um, and I think thought it was a really, really sort of uh, interesting theme to sort of revolve around um, with these particular characters. And I deliberately made the uh, female lead, the um, uh, connoisseur of art, I guess. Um, so she lives more in the now. Yeah. Oh, than, cool. Oh, that's clever. Rather than him sort of having more of a connection to the past and how things should be, you know, rather than <laughs> yeah. what they are. Um, and so through the course of their sort of cross-pollination, I guess, um, I'd get to explore, you know, ideas about um, – what art means to us and, and how it sort of has a connection with history, et cetera. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's, that's cool. and I've thrown 
lots of little stories that I've had personal experiences in Brisbane into it. <laughs> um, I've named characters after relatives. Um, oh, I've, uh, you know, I've written a scene for mum and dad, which is a riff on When Harry Met Sally. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, sorry, are you going to get your mum to orgasm in a diner? <laughs> uh no. <laughs> I'm not watching the movie anymore. Sorry, yeah. I'm out. Wasn't, wasn't um, um, Rob Reiner's mum that I'll have what she's having lately? Well, actually, yeah. yeah she was, that's what she was in, yeah. in the thing. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, because yeah. if you've got Meg Ryan, you make Meg Ryan fake <laughs> orgasm on the thing. So yeah. you're in, in the midst of shooting now. Yeah, so I uh, decided to start and it's been uh, obviously shooting around all the iconic places in Brisbane. Uh, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. You have to go through a lot of um, negotiation and preparation and um, correspondence. The Brisbane Eye. <laughs> that's yeah, historical, exactly. isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. Um, and so I had a shopping list when I first started out. So I wrote the script around what I felt was organic for the, the narrative. Yeah. Uh, and then just had this shopping list that I just went out and just hit the hit the street and started asking people about. Um, so over the course of, I guess, three months from uh, uh, late November um, through to um, I'm still negotiating on some things now, yep. uh, I've been uh, approaching all of these places and only one place has said no. Oh really? So that's uh, incredibly impressive. I'll say who that is on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. um, Name and shame. No, I was going to ask with those ones. Well, the one that has said no. Uh, did you just rewrite that scene with a similar location, or uh, because the film is uh, referring Brisbane throughout the whole um, story? Yeah, um, the, the locations are the locations. Yeah, uh, and technically from the the. Um, Location, Have you slipped a fake one in there just to see if anyone can like uh, oh, like some fake moments? I've been tempted to, yeah. Um, but the other oh, thing this is, is where the aliens attack. I remember this yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a crossover with Rita and Joe's movie. Oh yeah, true. That was also set in Brisbane. That was yeah. Um, uh, uh, basically, with the locations have a vested interest in this film if it is to be screened with regards to having a promotion for their own. So uh, we're out at Fort Lytton shooting uh, on oh, Thursday. I was just there for a music video. Yeah, and it's a popular place for filmmakers. Uh, yeah, it has yeah. been for many years. Um, but nobody knows about it in Brisbane. Um, I know, I didn't even know it existed. I mean, like, oh, it looks place. great. It does smell a bit weird because yeah. it's right near a swamp and I was like in the midst of like summer heat so I got like eaten alive by like swamp midges. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, oh. it's pretty terrible. Thank God they That's haven't true. invented smell of vision yet. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, cause you've gone and done the approach cause it's sort of like when people go and make their sort of low no, micro budget kind of feature things, they either do like the, the Christopher Nolan way, which was like, doing it um, in sporadic bits when you can, because obviously you're negotiating between um, sort of day job like what you did or, or, or sort of, I guess, Kevin Smith or that is when you shoot in like the little, you do it, you, you know, you give everything away, you Your shoot it in taste. a globe. Yeah, 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 bad. Yeah. Oh, bad taste was the, the one off and, and sort of the bit by sporadic, bit by bit. Yeah. And then um, yeah. did Kevin Smith do Clerks in like a single go? I'm pretty sure he did because yeah. it was he had this one location uh, and he could only shoot at night. So he which shot is like why nights while he was working. For they like set up weeks. the whole thing that he couldn't open the door because mm-hmm. the door wasn't allowed to be opened at night. So yeah, they just yeah. made it that, oh, in the story, it can't open. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, so they just shot in this location at night. So shooting over like a longer period of time, has that presented any kind of challenges to you? Continuity. <laughs> Putting it plainly. It's like, oh, the guy has a beard now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, that, that's something that I was very conscious of, obviously, going into the uh, the project. So um, I enlisted the help of uh, the lovely Elizabeth Jones, um, who's a, uh, uh, quite a skilled and uh, professional uh, makeup artist to maintain continuity across a long period oh, of time cool. for me. Fantastic. And we discussed a lot of things in preparation as um, the main uh, lead, he has a beard. 
Ooh, and uh, how long does that need to be? You know, yeah, how long yeah. etc. And we also get discussed out the, the fringe for the, the female leads. You know, how because oh. that will change quite yeah. often. So we set up um, a sort of uh, a structure or framework, I suppose. For maintaining that particular look, so it's set um, over like the the one day, isn't it? One day, yeah. one day. So that at least your costumes don't have to change. No, that's right. That was one thing I skimped on on uh, budget, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Which is terrific, uh, and uh, there's no real stunts in the film, um, so I knew that I didn't. I made have that to mistake sort of in mine. Mine one because mine sit all over like in real time because mm-hmm. it's. Um, I don't know if you Jason had that was, one like, location scripted. that you could only shoot and. So we shot. Period. So we shot in in the the one location. It's like a set during a theater show, and like the theater show goes wrong over the opening night, and so everyone's pretty much, with the exception of a couple of characters, in the same costume the whole time, and it's the same location. So you could just keep going back to the same thing and, and working at it. But then you were like, but I was let's like, do stunts and Pirates of the Caribbean was at the same time going, let's do stunts as well, and took and all so your I stunt people, took all my stunt people. Thank you, Johnny Depp. And so I'm like, <laughs> I had to like shoot my way around it and those moments of like my least favorite because I know what I wanted versus what I got was like two wildly different things but um talk a little bit about your casting process um I took a bit of a unique approach to it um I knew because of the length of the uh, the shoot um that and the commitment that was associated with that that I'd need to uh make sure that the collaborators that I brought on would actually be friendly enough to, to you know, last over that sort of period. So I did a meet and greet approach rather than a cold casting session. Oh, cool. cool. And uh, just had a whole, uh, it was a couple of days initially, I mean, I think we had a third off the top of my head, uh, where I just had everybody that was interested in the roles just come in and have a chat. And I gave them uh, just some homework with regards to just bringing in a fact about Brisbane or, or a historical sort of thing oh, that interests cool. them. And that was sort of a spark of conversation where I could get their um, passion for uh, Brisbane, for art, um, depending on the characters. And uh, from that I'd sort of gauged and having taught people like Chan Star, you sort of get a feel for personalities um, and what you have to deal with um, pretty quickly now. So um, – uh, I got uh, good vibes from a certain bunch and then I brought them back for a more formative uh, audition process. But uh, I also cross-pollinated the leads. So rather than you know, sort of uh, cold auditioning each one after the other after the other, I decided to mix them all together on a single day. And so, okay, I've considered doing that when you have to have like like a, a two, two-hander thing. I considered trying to audition two at the same time, like having them basically come in and read cold with another person mm-hmm. to see that they, their comfort level with just, cause it was, it's not like, it's like a romantic comedy, kind of like an old school screwball thing. Yeah. Um, and then just, I mean like a, I had like next to no one apply. Um, <laughs> so I only had like five applicants. So you can't really do that with five applicants. And then on top of that, like organizing the people to show up at the same time was like a pain in the butt. So I was just like, no, nope. I ended up editing their audition videos they could, like I read and then I cut their audition videos together. So I had someone then reading the other side and then I edited them as like cross coverage yeah, yeah. and it kind of gave me a, a reasonable a idea. Chemistry, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, um, yeah, I, I managed to, I get, I had a friend that was helping out with the casting process, Chris Lawrence, who was fabulous. And uh, uh, she was able to sort of get everybody in to roughly the same time, uh, if not sort of 15 minutes sort of uh, delays between. And it was a fantastic day, not only for me to gauge who were, who worked together, but also the actors had a lot of fun. That's and so cool. uh, it was a chance for them to try different and approaches that, that with is different like people. And 
that that kind of anxiety of we're standing here and there's a table exactly. and the thing and we're doing the thing and you got to see if you're getting it right. Like it's we're as a, waiting outside in a hallway with a billion people who look exactly like us. And then you see the one person who doesn't look anything like you. Like, um, so is, <laughs> are we the wrong choice or is like, like <laughs> you wonder that kind of thing? Oh, that's really good. That's a really. I feel like I should do something. I feel like I should change it. I try to do little things to change up. We were talking. Last uh, week or the week, no, the, week before. the week before about um casting process and I like to I like I did this thing where I like instead of sitting behind the table I sat to the side of the table my reader was in the center just to see if actors were paying attention mm. and so then like the ones who would go and introduce themselves to the reader first thinking they were me I was like okay you're clearly like on autopilot mm. and and I preferred to go with the ones who were like in present um but that's sort of like changing it up out of that that kind of you come in, you read, we give you a direction, you change it, then okay, thank you, bye, and we'll call you back. Like that process is a drag. Oh, it certainly <laughs> is. And you feel you know, terrible sometimes yeah, uh, when yeah, you, yeah. you cut people short. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd wholeheartedly re- recommend it for people to um, okay, uh, give Especially it a go. Especially if you're dealing with like a sort of that. an ensemble kind of thing. Or, yeah, absolutely. Or, or given, given the uh, the fact that it's like that before sunrise type of uh, yeah. approach, you yeah. need to have that chemistry for 90 minutes and uh, um, if it doesn't work, you don't have a film basically. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's true. That's true. What lessons have – so you're about, are you about like halfway through shooting? I'm or? on day five of 28. Day five of 28. Oh, so you're like – the first, the first one. What, what first lessons week. have you learned so far? <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, uh, continuity-wise, um, it is a real, real challenge. Um, uh, I had a, uh, I've cast a, um, a young girl in the uh, the part and in one of the uh, key parts, and I was constantly she aware that yeah, she could have a, a growth Ooh. spurt. Uh, her mum said, you know, she's got some teeth also uh, coming through, so I knew that I had to condense her. Um, shooting to in the a top. small period of yeah. time right? Yeah. so that I could have a continuity of look for her. Um, and uh, credit to her, she's the most amazing actress I've ever, I think oh, I've ever cool. worked with. Uh, no disrespect to the other cast members, of course. But, uh, uh, Let's hope none of them listen to this episode because they'll all be like, that little girl. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, but she was great and uh, her, her mother, you know, helped me organise this um Incredibly insane week, which is just the week that's gone. I, I finished yesterday. Oh, you're shooting back to back days for that. So back to back days, and uh, it was a very trying week, um, particularly in the early. We, we shot at the Brisbane Wheel, um, so I've oh, cool. actually gone on the wheel. Uh, did you do on, like several loops to film? Like, did yes. you film? Into, oh my god, I consider that because I had this one script that was like a little itty bitty drama that I thought, oh, I could shoot this on no money, just me and a camera and, and the actors. And I was like, oh, and, and the wheel would be a fun one. And then I'm just like, the logistics of that would be like <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, one of the things in terms of preparation, I guess uh, I decided fairly early on that it had to be a documentary type of approach. Um, yeah, the verite kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so when our, we had our first day of shooting in the Regent Theatre, um, Oof, in Queen Street. Nice. Oh my God. And, uh, but you only like the lobby because the rest of it. That's gone. great. Yeah, no, it's heartbreaking. Eh? Um, <laughs> I went, I, I almost went when they, because the last film they screened there was Casablanca before they shut down. I'm just like, I'm an, I'm not even that annoyed that it got shut down because that's happening all over the place. I'm annoyed that it got shut down for a building that then never happened. Mm. So we may as well have not shut down in the first place because none of that mattered. And so they just literally spent money to tear down the thing and then leave a hole in, in the, in the, 
history of Brisbane, I was so bummed because that was such a cool cinema palace. Oh, it was a, it was a mecca for anybody that was a fan of film. The Brisbane International Film Festival used to be there. I'm yeah. pretty sure my first Bollywood film I saw in the region. I I'd see, I like if I was like a crazy like Jeff Bezos billionaire at any point, I'd just literally restore it from the ground up and then you'd host all like those big, you know, when like Thor 3 or whatever the hell's playing there, you, you host the screening there as opposed to like, Rabina. <laughs> yeah. Who gives a shit about Rabina? Well, Rabina's just like a Rabina cinema, but the region has like that. That's the kind of cinemas they play. That they go and do those premieres yeah, at like the, the Chinese theatre. The Chinese theatre in LA is like the iconic one, you know. Um, any other lessons? Any other? Yeah, yeah. Tidbits? So, well, that was, that was, and working with the uh, the locations, um, a lot of the shoot is going to be um, based around working locations. Yeah. All and location work. So, so, so the yeah. first week was just working around the little girl. That's making right. sure she, Is she completely shut out now? Um, uh, we may have one more day with her, but um, okay, essentially cool. she's um, wrapped her, her major scenes through oh, for cool, the week. Cool. Whereas so it's very happy. every other schedule is location based. Yes. Cool. Essentially. Yeah. Um, it was uh, uh, like going from uh, the Brisbane wheel on Tuesday, we shot in city hall mm-hmm. on uh, Wednesday, uh, both in the shingle Inn, you know, if you know, the little tea house oh, in yeah, there, classical tea house. And that's you know, quite a, quite a, um, an iconic sort of spot, I suppose for the, and then uh, we went into the main auditorium with a you know, giant pipe organ and etc. Yeah. Blah, 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 oh, blah. Wow. But coordinating all of that um, and making sure that everything ran with the shingle ins technically functioning um, yeah. um, with their business, and they did get a big rush of uh, customers oh, no. on on that uh, particular day. And so, so ADR day, of, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's something that I I have to sort of accept. So um, have you got like a ske- are you running around with like a skeleton crew or yeah yeah? Well, I've got a pool. So the way I'm able to actually do this uh, essentially with all of these locations is having a small crew of um, six. Oh, cool. Um, that's, yeah. that's about so our core crew on my feature was there were six people who were there for, cause we shot 15 days back to back. Right. <laughs> oh <laughs> God. Everyone was dead by the end of it too. Yeah. Cause half Except me, I, I only came in three days and it was great. <laughs> um, but uh, we had a core crew of six and then there was like some bigger days we were handling extra. So we had like a couple of extra crew come in, some production assistants on occasional days, but like for the, there was only like the six core people. And then, so yeah, I, I find that you can move a lot faster when you're doing that too. You certainly can. And um, shooting with natural light when as uh, yeah. saying in the region theater, um, we brought in some lights, et cetera, to, to light the place. But you realize that that disrupts the rest of the business too much and becomes, uh, you know, Damages yeah. your 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 connection with that uh, location, so yeah. managers. So, and it's weird. Um, I've been on short films recently where they have like these are like people talking in a in a suburban house, and that's the movie. And there's like thirty something people on this set. They have like four makeup artists when there's three actors, and you're like, this is very extra. And but the, it 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 just bogs the pace down because you're quieting people and all this kind of stuff. I find like the key crew is kind of a good approach for smaller stuff. Like, I mean, obviously you're doing Pirates Caribbean or whatever you need, <laughs> you need a couple hundred people on that, that and that thing. But I find for the smaller stuff having more, there's a certain number by which then it starts impeding the work. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And there's an intimacy that sort of develops when you've got a smaller crew as well. Family bonding. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're in it for the, the war. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah and, and sort of working around it, but the, when you have those extra days, um, so we had a, seen on a bus on uh, Thursday, which was, um, I think we had 15 extras. So on a bus? That. Like a Brisbane a City Council Oh, that's uh, cool. I tried to get the Brisbane City Council bus, but um, you couldn't. Uh, oh, no, there was 
uh, a few too many things to yeah, sort of yeah. um, uh, the get logistics through. of that would be hard. Um, and that's the one of the things that I have learned on this project. Uh, not that you don't do it on any other film, but when things crop up, you just work out the easiest solution through thing as long as the the story survives yeah. and the characters can breathe. Um, and so I've uh, you know made a few um, on the fly scene rewrite type of things. Um, because of logistics that I discovered on the day and had I find some of that stuff's really cool. So. I found in in my one the during the end sequence, I didn't realize until like the day before shooting that there was a, an important character. This is Danny's character, an important yeah. character in the script who just because because this is like there's like 24 speaking parts in this thing. It's one of those multiple character things, and just keeping track of them, I was bound to lose track of one of them, and one of the characters just never appeared in the final scene. So there was like they just stopped being in the movie like 20 minutes before the end and so I on the fly rewrote her into the ending scene to have a moment then she you know she parks it or whatever and um to go on but I like I love I kind of dig those kind of moments so do I and you get magic uh, with uh, in the shooting in the uh, the city hall I won't exactly describe the scene but it was kind of like a um a bridging scene that I'd written and just had a small element of character in it but uh, when we got into that space and sort of realized the acoustics and everything that was, that was going on in there um, we created something that was really magical. That's cool. And oh, that's great. I've suddenly realised that that's now going to be one of the most important scenes in the, uh, oh, the film. Oh, that's so cool. I love oh, shit like cool. that. That's awesome. Um, that's my favourite part of filmmaking is on the set. Mm. Like a lot of people like the movies made in the ed- and no no disrespect to being an editing teacher, <laughs> but I've always found that the, the movies made in the edit to be it, – I get this sentiment, but it's actually turned into a bit of a toxic attitude because people then don't pay attention on sets no, anymore no. or they're – shooting something from 12 different angles and we'll figure out how it looks later. And I'm like, but then all 12 of those angles don't have any, there's no reason. Yeah, they're not, no, they're not no saying name. anything. They're well, there's no, anything. you've got to have a design. Um, yes. And 100%, yes. everything that you, you approach. And uh, one of the actors did point out that I direct as an editor, not as a, as a director. I think editors make some of the of best. Editors <laughs> make some of the best. So um, I don't know if you know the work of Mike Flanagan. He did. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he, cut like that was his day job was editing so he edited for like RuPaul's Drag Race he edited for a lot of reality tv about this fabricating story and he hated the work but he's now said he's on the record he says that was the best education I could have gotten and because all of his movies every cut means something like there's no wasted there's no we figured out this edit later he's like cut the whole thing have you seen the haunting of hill house I have yes god that's that's like a staggering piece of achievement and it's and and it comes from an editing background too so I think that's I, and, and as an educator, I think yeah. everybody, all students, if, you, if you're interested in film, should start with editing. Yeah, uh, You see the results of everything that comes from the sets. Uh, you can see the planning that's sort of gone in and gone awry. Mm. Um, yeah. And you problem solve. And through that, that, that course of that sort of um, um, education, um, it translates into anything you can do on the set. Yeah. And I can say that as an editor, it is so much more satisfying working with a director who knows what they want mm. when it comes to the edit. Because I've worked with so many people who are just like, Oh, you do it. And I was like, I mean, I will, but what do you want from it? What do you want this scene to say? Because I can see what the scene is meant to say. If I do it this way, I can see what it could say. If I do this way, what, what do you want to say? Uh, I think it's just half the time is that they don't realize that the job of a director is not to, you're not like this dictating you do this and you do this and you do this. You're finding like a a language. You're finding a, a, a design for, the moments and you're pulling that not, it's not necessarily coming from you, although you are sometimes sort of manhandling the thing to, to fit the, the stuff, but like some, the, the 
costume designer will be like, oh, I was thinking like florals and you're like, oh, well, maybe not florals, but what if it was like uh, stripy patterns? Cause like, I like the idea. It's not plain colors, it's patterns. Okay. And then that, that collaboration then builds the language as opposed to it's, I find a lot of the the stuff I, I see and I like, I get it. Like when I was, you know, a film student, when I was, my work is really crap. Although I, I can very clearly identify me starting to make those choices quite early on, but it's like, it's just about making choices and sticking to choices, even if they're the wrong ones. And I find like the shooting 12 angles and figure out later is sort of like a it's done lazy out of, filmmaking. Well, it's, it's done uh, out I of fear it, yeah. of fucking up on the day. But in my opinion, you fucked up by default. Cause you haven't tried. And like, so I've like, there's a scene in, in my feature where the camera goes at a 90 degree tilt for like three and a half <laughs> minutes with like this week. Cause the character's on drugs um, on like some bad mind altering drugs. And, and she goes absolute batshit, like slaughtering crazy by the end of the movie. I needed to justify that. And so this moment, moment about halfway through the movie, I needed to, I wanted to push it to its limits to, so that you bought her, you know, blowing a guy's dick off and, and, and stabbing people, that kind of stuff. I needed you to buy her going from zero to that. And that, that was sort of, to me, the, the moment, but it does, it plays out too long. And I shot it in basically like four, like minute long takes. There's no coverage. And I know watching it, I'm like, this goes on too long. And I shot myself in the foot because there's no cutting around it. And everyone was like, Oh, can't you just like jump cut? But I didn't want to break the real time. That was like my hard rule on the whole thing is that we never break real time ever in the entire movie. And so I knew I shot myself in the foot, but to me, I, when I'm watching other movies, I prefer, Oh, you've made a choice. Even if I don't agree with that choice, I can, I can, I, I prefer that you've made a choice that I can identify as opposed to I'm like, well, why is this? What, what, what's the point of this kind of thing? I find choices matter more so than anything else. And then a movie like um, me and Earl and the dying girl comes along. We're like, it's all choices, it's all choices. And that's just like crack cocaine to watch a <laughs> yes. movie like that. You're like, fuck me. Man, that's so decisive. Oh. Yeah. Just every, I rewatched that. I talked about it on the yeah. podcast and it just, it just holds up. It holds up so well. So, um, well, one of the things I was, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. when, when you are in a scene and you realize that you've got a, a certain time constraint, cause each location's given me a, a lot of time to, to shoot within admittedly. I'm, that a little bit further than I should have, but um, that's filmmaking, um, baby. <laughs> Always, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, uh, you redesign the way you approach it uh, rather than just because the, the instinct for most filmmakers, I think, and just in terms of mm. observation, is that uh, when you don't know what to do with the scene, you just film the crap out of it and then take it into the editing room, yeah, yeah. Um, I had whereas- one moment like that, and because I approached it, it was it's the players scene yeah, yeah, in yeah. Rake and Hell, and it's the because it's the first that was the first time I the most actors I'd ever had to work with in a single scene was like five, and this was twelve people at once on a giant stage, and it's a big scene where a lot of people are doing a lot of things, and there's an in joke here and an in joke there, and I got to the scene and I realized like everyone's waiting there, and I'm like. Fuck. I have no clue what to do. And in those situations, that sort of generic coverage is a good baseline. It's yeah, a great baseline. Yeah. And then we were able to find like a couple of moments here or there where we, you know, the camera whipped around. It was a little more observational. It's not like most visually spectacular, but I actually think it's one of the strongest scenes in the movie because yeah. <laughs> you're kind of just on that adrenaline of, oh, fuck and, and stuff. But I think having a design, going in with a design, and then even if you have to change it, that design gives you a baseline. You're like, okay, so that felt like that. If I can't do that, well, what if it, what if the camera maybe dollies this way and and I know I'll put a piece of music here or I'll cut to this thing and that will 
make that same kind of feeling or a facsimile of that feeling that I, I would have gotten with that original kind of coverage. But it's when you come in with a choice, you can adapt that choice to the situation. It, it's, it's not it's not a matter of coming and saying it's this or get the fuck out. It's just giving you a baseline to work from. So you got to listen to all the other voices yeah. as well that are happening yeah. at the same Collaborate. time. And, and everyone will have a better idea than you, <laughs> especially yeah. when you're stressed and you're like, Wah! and someone will just go, just do this or just do that on that. Well, there, there's also on the opposite side um, what I've, I've found, um, having done short films, you, you get used to sort of a few questions sort of fired at you, but um, on this, you, <laughs> on a, a feature, you're just getting, questions and every second and no and one respects I'm, the fact that someone's in the middle of asking your question and they will just start <laughs> yes. You're like read the room please i'm happy to uh, uh, and so like i've I, there's and there's an art to not being rude about it i found on red curtain hell when there's like 24 people and he's like <laughs> um and and i just say like hold on for a minute get your question okay cool da, da, da. and i like you'd have you, you almost have to be like a traffic yeah and you have to be like a traffic controller with actual physical people in your space yes to organize <laughs> who's doing what and where you gotta get those glowy things and be like all right you're coming in you <laughs> yeah. stop you stop there you, you joke, come but that would make it really efficient <laughs> and really work really I think well the one thing that i have learned is um get an ad um, <laughs> and it's not that, that, I, that I didn't want to have one because mm. of the, the crew size restriction. Um, yeah. I had to sort of make some compromises and I thought, well, you know, I know what's going on and I could probably field some questions. So <laughs> um, uh, not as yeah. many as you get. In yeah. certain moments, I wish I, 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 um, we had like my co-producer pseudo first AD just kept us on track, but I've, I've never really explicitly worked with yeah, an AD you, you because well, like a, cause I'm like a stickler for being on schedule anyway. And on Red Curtain Hell, because we were in a theatre and that theatre had rehearsals for their show at night. So we shot, we were there 7am till 4pm and we had to be out. We didn't have an option because there was going to be a bunch of kids doing junior theatre and no sound. And, and it, so we had we had to be out. And so I just like shot to that. We did one day and I was really proud of this day because um, my producer went on this day and we did like 11 and a half pages in seven hours. No, and I was like, yes. I felt like I was on fire because I knew that going in because like he was like, oh, I'm not going to be in here. I'm like, fuck, we're behind. And this was like four or five days just before we wrapped. And I was just like, okay. So I just was like, I spent the night and I just had, the paper drawn out and I was just so adamant about, and I said it to everyone at the start of the day, I'm like, this is the day we can't really fuck around and I might be a bit terse or anything, but it's, we've got 11 and a half pages and we, just, we nailed it and we got on time and I felt like I had the biggest fucking high from doing that. Absolutely. Was, yeah. Um, but I like, uh, and the other things too, is I can never really find like a first AD who first ADs. Yes. Like, yeah. like an actual first AD who's knows that job in the I way. I think it also, you've got to balance because um, uh, I had a young child. I had um, yeah. uh, some old, older actors, some younger you know, sort of actors, some in between this sort of thing. And you need somebody of maturity to AD that. Yeah. You can't have a kid. Yeah. You know, I killed a work with, shout, uh, um, I've seen the video, Caroline Cunningham. Yeah. She's Peter Jackson's first AD. Mm. And like, she just would be like the fucking best general of the set. Like mm. I've seen videos of her from the thing. I was like, I would kill to have her on my team. She would just yeah. be the fucking best. Um, so, so it's like, I guess you, you're in the midst of it. So you kind of, but like, have you got sort of like a, an idea of once the film sort of finished what you're kind of looking to do with it or? Well, my main focus, uh, because I'm sort of a generalist, I suppose, with a lot of skills, um, I thought this film could be a profile builder for me to change the way people perceive me as a, a writer director. Um, oh, cool. And it's always been my end goal um, to, to get to this sort of stage. I've only ever seen so, you as an editing teacher. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, that's it. And, that's it. and, and, and traditionally, I, I really am a cinematographer at heart. Um, <laughs> Which, and, but I keep get, getting labeled as a post guy. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I go to a certain extent, but um, 
I'm not opposed to guy really. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, you could do uh, so much more. <laughs> yes. So you're looking at like good. festivals and things? So, you... yeah, the initial thing, I mean, um, it d- depends on the run of the uh, the shoot, but I'd love to have it a premiere in the Brisbane International Film oh, Festival. That'd be, cool. that'd be great. Yeah, Biff, um, good old Biff. Yeah, and, and have a Brisbane film for Brisbane. And do, I they think still, that, do they take submissions? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, if your film's um, called Brisbane, so. I'm sure they'll like, even if they, well, you can be like, be the, this the is a movie about the history it. of Brisbane and you're probably going to want to want to watch this one because, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like branding, like brand, branded content. Well, that, like, well that's know. it, yeah. And, it, yeah. and that's been the, the selling point, I guess, for the film with, um, yeah. you know, getting everyone involved. And it's the fact also that a long line, a long tradition of movies with the title is the city name. Mm. Like Nashville and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, like Nashville, yeah, like well, one of my ideas favorites. for uh, you know going around all the different cities in the oh like like the like, the like the uh, this, the cities of love kind of series yeah yeah oh that's yeah. cool you're that's gonna cool. do like an Australian cinematic universe <laughs> why not <laughs> Brisbane well, yes, and yes. Melbourne come together I, had, I, mean, I once I once designed this is when I was like obsessed with like multiple like you know those it's those movies where there's like five characters it's like Magnolia esque but a little less operatic um, where it's like five or six characters, it's over a set period of time, like usually 24 hours and set in the same geography and they interact and they like those multiplot movies. I just, I, I adored them when I was in film school. And so I just like kept riffing and trying to design one, and I designed one called Brisbane city. And it was kind of like that, but it never went anywhere. Cause it's like a steaming turd of a movie. <laughs> Very just like bad cliche drama, not even sort of like a, a an involved kind of thing. Um, but I like, I like, I was like obsessed with the idea of like, you know, doing that. So it's cool that you sort of, you're going to be the first one to kind of make a Brisbane And I thought it was, yeah, because Brisbane's always dressed as, you know, Tokyo or um, San Andreas, you know, type thing. And and it's uh, just uh, something that really hasn't been documented in Australian film in its entire history. I I ended up going back and just looking over things that were produced up here and it's never really been named as Brisbane. Um, And Australians, I'm pretty sure it's called Brisbane. Oh, and Australians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, House of Cards. All my friends are leaving Brisbane. All my friends Um, are leaving Brisbane. They're they're all sort of, um, it's it's not about the city so much. It's more that sort of um, Queenslander type. um, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Stoner existence, um, but um, there's a, there's there was this the, the House of Cards movie, and there's a cat because it's like assassins or something like that. And one of the characters has a line, and he's like, That sort of stuff never happens in Brisbane, <laughs> happens in big cities like City and uh, Sydney and Melbourne, but not here, not Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly I haven't right. watched that trailer a million times. What are you talking about? Oh, it's it's good, it's entertaining. Um, yeah. so, so like, festivals, I, mean, to, I was gonna say, um, uh, festivals is where I'm, I'm hoping yeah, to sort of produce. Yeah. I've got no illusions that I could be a shit director, <laughs> and this could be a complete Have you started, disaster. Like, cutting what you've shot already? Are you like cutting behind uh, yourself? Little and it's, uh, in terms of the workflow of, um, uh, I won't name names, but I've got support from um, professionals in the industry to oh, uh, cool. help me through the uh, the process. And so at this particular point, so I've got to set up some frameworks for the transcoding of the footage because we're shooting on. Also, oh, oh, yeah, what are you shooting on? What's those so your tech specs? I guess so. He's he's for all the tech geeks, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I uh, I bought a um, Blackmagic Mini Ursa Pro, the four point six K camera, um, late last year, sort of thing, um, right. as, a, as a means of um, making the film. Uh, and Griffith University has come on as a, um, a producing partner or part film partner, I suppose. Oh, cool. I'm not exactly sure of the title. We haven't decided yet. <laughs> but um, and so they've supported me with some equipment but also helped me out with some of the legals, et cetera. Fantastic. Oh, very uh, cool. So, very uh, cool. Do what, are you specific glass, like specific lenses? or? Uh, yeah, we're shooting with some Canon Zoom cine lenses, um, oh, yeah. uh, largely a, a 15 and a half to 47. Are oh, you um, doing like Zoom work? Yeah. Oh, um, oh, little, little bits and pieces, but um, I think there's like amount, I, like so. there's an art to zoom work in movies, yes. and it's almost dead because it yes. used to be huge in the seventies. Absolutely, um, and like like my oh. like 
uh, what was it? Uh, Battle of the Sexes probably has my favorite yeah. Zoom in the last 10, 20 years. Well, I love, like, one of my favorite directors of all time is Robert Altman. Mm-hmm. And that same, was, like, his, oh, that, I, yes. Yes. <laughs> I can so rarely, like, rave about Altman with people. Um, and because he's, like, I like that's when I was in film school because I hated doing, like, the film theory stuff, but I did my essay on Robert Altman because it's all this, like, mm. voyeuristic mm. aspect to his films almost. And I just love he'll stick the camera, like, a kilometre back and then just zoom and roam over this sort of this, like, a, 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 um, a tableau of a scene rather than kind of covering a scene normally. And I just yeah. adore that. Like he doesn't yeah. care about crossing dialogue. And, no, uh, no it's, I love it's that. I love really that, like, two people sitting next to each other watching that movie are watching different versions of the movie depending what they decide to pay attention to right, yeah. in the frame and in the sound mix. Like the eight wow. track recorder was invented because of Nashville. Cause he was like 24 characters. I, I need more mics. Let's invent a recorder that will let me do it. And so the eight track recorder was invented by Robert. Like, I mean, Nashville's like my all time favorite. I've yeah. got the, the criterion Blu-ray of yeah, it. Same. <laughs> it's gorgeous. And it I is. got to see, they played it just um, at Palace Centro here. They did it when they did that restoration. They played it. So I got to see it on a cinema and my mm. God, that movie is so good. Oh, it's fabulous, yeah. yeah. It's, Prairie Home Companions. Um, I have yet to watch that, that one. I've got that on my pile. And I've got it. I'm worried because it's like his last one and I don't want to be like, because I know it's like <laughs> also about, it's like about a radio station that's like dying and about to close its doors. And so there's like these weird kind of serendipitous art meets life thing to it because Robert Altman made that then had a heart attack and died. Um, wow. So, yeah. It's, so I wrote all my essays on Michael Bay and uh, <laughs> Highlander, so... And then there's some uh, of his deep cuts. I'm a pretty arty guy too, you know. <laughs> there's some of his deep cuts. I want to see um, uh, Secret Honor, which is literally just one actor in a room being Richard Nixon monologuing to himself. What? <laughs> and um, and what's the, I want to see Kansas City because yes. I haven't seen that one. And that's that was yeah. like my idea of what that movie was was what I was basing Bris- my Brisbane City script right, off of, yeah. even though I had never seen Kansas City. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so is there, is, have you got anything you'd do differently come around to? I know you're sort of like you still only – In like, the throes uh, of it. Um, I guess – one of the strengths that I've had is the networking um, over the years. I've made yep. many friends and, yep. uh, and, you know, I'm getting help from students. I'm hoping to have a chance to, you know, God help me in the involved <laughs> in the film in some way. Um, I will force myself upon the film. It's true. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. So it's now recorded. <laughs> it just runs in like a gorilla suit in the middle of a scene, like a touching yeah. romantic scene. You're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe not. Um, it, it's a key part of uh, Brisbane's history when, uh, that gorilla would come and attack loving couples. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. that gorilla. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it climbs up that um, uh, government building there, the one that yeah. looks like a USB that was stick. One of the, that was <laughs> one of the things when we had Tess Van Hemmet, Dr. Tess Van Hemmet on, and she talked about like networking is like when you're going to these festivals, like festivals and events, it's just networking. It's is, everything. Is it's everything. everything. Yeah. You, you've already networked. This whole film is pretty much your you cashing in your network box. That, that was, that's it. And then, Del Toro did that yeah. for Kronos. That was his first yeah. film. He oh. went and worked on a bunch of other things and then cashed in every favorite because he made that movie for like a million dollars and it's like a mm. weird artsy, like it's a Del Toro film. There's like yeah. designed the in shit out sense. of it. Yeah. And he did it on next to no money um, because he just cashed in every favor he had helped out with for like the last five years of him working on stuff. So that's yeah. cool. So I think that's smart. It's not necessarily something I wouldn't do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But um, I guess uh, uh, 
this is more on the organizational side of things. And would you um, do so, like, is your next, uh, like, like if you're like, cause I know it's like when you're in the throes of it, you don't, but every now and then your brain will go, Oh, my next one. Like you yeah, go oh, that just to get all, you out every of day, it. every yeah. minute. <laughs> Are you like the my, next my, one's my in next one film, room? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next film is in one room. It's uh, got uh, a single actor. They're both, um, Oh no, two, two actors. I'll, I'll make it interesting. Um, <laughs> and they're both dressed in black. <laughs> yes. Well, ours, ours was, ours was one room, white walls, they're naked and bald. <laughs> right. And that was it. And they just yeah. do nothing no for the movie. No yeah, yeah, nothing, no props, no makeup, no nothing. No, lo- like, you know, it was like, that was the, we, the running joke because even though we were like, because the design of Red Cone Hill was to be good and doable and it was like, it turned into like an epic mm. in terms of just how much shit was going on. At I love time. it because your your film's ideas of cuz like you first had carols which was like this Giant. christmas musical but for what 24,000 was the idea no no it was like 10, 10 11,000 10, 11, I don't even know how we but we were like there we were Yeah like, it, it was what a week before shooting week before shooting and that fell apart and it was like well I go even smaller so it was one location one night one thing and when that fell through that was when you were like even smaller what was that wait what was my first that was when you came up with the brisbane idea and you're like, we'll just shoot at Brisbane. We shoot everywhere in Brisbane. That's free. Brisbane, done. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just said that was the one I wrote when I couldn't get. So I wrote between that, I wrote like a, it was a whodunit at like a oh, suburban house. I remember that. And then there's just the script was rubbish. And so then I was kind of starting the inklings of Red Curtain Hell. And then, and then I was like, oh, but it's too, too much. Finding a theater was really hard because the location was so specific. So then I wrote like this little, that little, Brisbane drama and then I never really wrote more than past the first five pages of it. Wasn't I meant to be the main character? Yes. Get you back were. to writing it. Yes, Come on. You were. Yes, you I were. need more acting work, man. <laughs> but yeah, and then and then I ended up getting the location and once I got location I did record. Sometimes now. the lo- locations dictate yeah. the way you work around things. Almost, and especially like when you don't have sets. Yeah. Like when you don't have no. sets, locations are everything. Locations mm. and actors well, are usually production value. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well the 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 last year when I was I I've, I'd written a noir based in a toy store and organized a uh, location. Uh but then I pushed my shoot dates back a month because I was like, oh you know the DP won't be up here, he'll be up then. And then it was Christmas and you don't shoot in a toy store at Christmas. You fucking idiot. It's a toy store. <laughs> so yeah, then I was like, well, that's fine. I'll just shoot this film instead. Cause that's just a room. And then I'll shoot the thing midway through the year when no one's at a toy store. Uh, so that'll be my next one. In a toy <laughs> store. So is there any sort of like, if you could sum up like a little bit of advice to sort of finish this up with like for anyone who's wanting, who's like, maybe I should go and do a feature film. Yeah. Don't. Don't <laughs> earn your stripes first. Um, I, th- I think the approach that I've taken with regards to just getting to know everybody's job has been invaluable because uh, we've had moments where, you know, the sound guy has had some issues that I was able to step in and help out or um, yeah. in terms of we, we had some camera problems on one of the day that were quite dire um, or could have, could have been catastrophic, um, but I was able to sort of step in and quickly help uh, resolve that um, through um, just the experience that I've gained over the years. And you don't panic as much. Um, yeah. and you realise that you can negotiate these sorts of uh, hurdles. So I'd say um, learn as much as you can about the different disciplines. And one of the things I do see, and I'm just going to put on my lecture cap for a mm. moment, is um, uh, students tend to specialise in a particular area and then ignore every other job Yeah, and almost to the point of complete ignorance. And they don't realise they're part of a whole team that it's, pull it's, these things together. It's what Del Toro says because uh, he went on his press tour for the shape award and he had because that's like I felt and I had no way of articulating it. And he says it's it's all the same discipline. Mm. It's four legs on a table and yes. the table won't stand without 
cinematography, sound, production design, directing, you know, and, and yeah. acting. Sort of but we don't need half of them in the Oscars. It's fine. No, no, no. Um, and and that's sort of like because they're all it's it should be everything should be of a piece. And so he designs his films where that this color and this particular sound. And it's all telling the same story, and it adds layers and it makes it. It makes your work yeah. infinite, like rewatchable, which That's to right. me is one yeah. of my goals when I make something is I like it to be worth more than a single watch. Yes. And I'd at least, of all things, I, I know Red Canal's worth more than one watch because even just narratively there's like a couple like foreshadowings of all the, the shit that goes down in there that are clever. So if you watched it again, you'd be like, oh, that's funny. Like you'd, you'd pick those things. So at least it gives it some value into the rewatch. So, yeah, 100% like pay attention to other, but even if you're not good, like I'm, I'm a really bad cinematographer. I, I've, I've worked at it. I've every worked with them before. It's true. <laughs> it's really, I can't lie. I can't lie to save my life, but I, I've worked at it and I, I ask questions. So even if you, it's something you're not good at, find someone who's good at, ask them questions, mm. take a scene from your favorite movie and say, hey, how is this lit? Yeah. And they'll say, oh, we put this here and here and here and play this here. And then you can start deconstructing it in that way. And so I've started now only within the last couple of years being able to like, I'll watch this movie and I like, I just do the quick math of, oh, okay, they've got a light here and light here. Like you just start being able to think mm. in those terms. So even if you, you don't have to be good at it, but you have to be curious enough mm. about it. I think yeah. curiosity is a, is not a bad thing at all. And this is where I, I think guilds are very, very handy. And it's yeah. not necessarily a plug for the, <laughs> the editor's guild, I guess, but we often um, connect up with the sound guild, the cinematography guilds, uh, the writers guild, the, um, uh, the other guilds I can't think of at the moment. No, <laughs> to, they don't matter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Producers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, uh, you, you get to meet and talk with them and they often open up about um problems or things that they, they sort of navigate their, their particular career with. And uh, I got to work in Warner Brothers through just sheerly, purely asking um, a fellow there, um, what do you do down there? Um, and he said, come on down, have a look. And before you know it, I was going down there for six months plus, um, oh, cool. just just working on all of these Hollywood sort of television series and things down there and learning special effects and uh, motion control cameras. And, That's cool. Um, and it was just out of a simple sort of a conversation. So you've got curiosity this like about cool motion control shot in your movie that you're about to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be like the centerpiece is like yeah, this. Yeah. It's, you're bird manning it. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, that's basically uh, a locked off tripod and a locked off pan and tilt head and a camera that uh, doesn't change for it. <laughs> Fantastic. But, uh, How do you do it? The other advice, I guess, um, and this is again, just the lecturer cap is um, write what you know. We hear that all the time. But yeah. um, a lot of uh, students do write above their own life experience, and yeah. I think a lot of movies about like, uh, or, or not necessarily like, because a lot. Of, I know when I was in film school and I heard that, I'd be like, well, if I wrote what I know, my movies would just be like every Australian movie with like you know the rough childhood and the movie like I knew my life plays out like a cliche. But it's not writing like like you know because Science of Lambs surely you know, uh, Jonathan Demme is not an actual cannibal. Uh, but Thomas Harris is. <laughs> is <Yes>. he? <laughs> but like, like you can write a, like the like ideas about what you know, not the, the plot is not about what yeah. you know. You can write about cannibals or space aliens or yeah. all that kind of thing as long as it, the feelings are stuff you actually know, not stuff you think. You know, like when I was in film school, someone made a Holocaust movie and you're like, you're a 19-year-old Stop. But a <laughs> Holocaust stop. survivor at heart. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, no, 100%, 100% that agree, that, that advice is, plays true. Yeah. And I find the more, the more internal I go, the more my writing gets better yes. as well. So, And certainly, I mean, the lead camera character in my um, film is 
a history professor, um, a lecturer at heart. And so, and he's got a beard, you say. Yes, he's got a beard. <laughs> um, for those at home, I'm clean shaven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you, you, you sort of personalise an aspect of yourself mm. through the characters and a lot of the voice in the characters and it started off as mine originally and then when you bring the actors in and they start to sort of yeah. find they the character, etc., yeah. they sort of build on that. And, and they'll always a, make choices that you never heard and you're like, that's so much better than anything Absolutely, sometimes it's shit, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's when you come in and you give a bit of direction. <laughs> that's you're right. Like, ah, just, not shit, you, know, you validate, You validate <laughs> the suggestion. But uh, yeah. The only time you actually direct is if it's shit. Otherwise, let them do their thing, they're yeah. fine. Yes. Well, that was Robert Altman's thing. He just like lets yeah. them go, doesn't do anything. He gave no direction at all, but he'd like, I mean, he had Woody Allen's the same. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. had his pick of the the litter when it came to uh, actors too. Well, that, and that's it. You do find sometimes um, you you come across inexperienced actors or somebody who has trepidation, and, and you have to, you have to nurture yeah. them a little bit um, more through the process. Yeah. Um, but uh, when when you've got a crew that's gelling because they've got a good deal of um, experience as I've as I've had on this uh, project so far, it's just great. You just roll the camera for the most part yeah. and answer the occasional sort of. Inquiry, I suppose, about a certain thing, and uh, that's yeah. and they they do the work, and then you concentrate on the technical to make it look good yeah. and uh, sound good. Uh, well, that's cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Mm. Best of luck oh, with pleasure. the shoot. If you need help, like give me a yell. I'm generally, yeah, we free. are yeah, very yeah, bold. This is this is a call out to anybody that's interested in working on the film. <laughs> I'll need extras and I'll need. Well, we'll put <laughs> so, links. Do you have like a, a, a yeah? A, there's a Facebook page. Facebook page. Uh, so, cool. Yeah, we'll, Brisbane we'll, we'll movie. Put, we'll, it's we'll, about to be. Uh, barraged, I suppose, with a whole stack of images from our shooting this week. So, <laughs> That's cool. uh, so we'll put links to that in the show notes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and thank you for being, thank you for coming on and, and sharing yeah, your experiences. Pleasure. It's been yeah, very yeah. valuable. I've learned a bit. And yeah, yeah. Well, That's you're why we technically you're my first on. interview for the film. So, oh, very um, nice. Very nice. Know, yes, we're getting so in on the ground. Starting the yeah, press yeah, exactly. tour. I was expecting the hard hitting questions, but I think I got away with it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much, and thank you to our listeners for listening. If if you like this episode, and if you have questions, we can pass them on. You can send them through but you can contact us on social media we're on uh instagram and twitter at picture rangers you can email us motion picture rangers at gmr.com hey if you've if you're in the middle of making or have just made your first feature and and you're in brisbane like give us a shout out we'll be able to get you on and and talk we think we wanted to make this kind of an ongoing because there's another director brit kind who i'm trying yeah. to get on she did a feature called cursed uh, and did you go to uni with her or no no i just i was at oh, a party just- and someone i was telling them the story of my first feature and they're like you would need to meet this chick because <laughs> yeah. she's done the same thing as you and had the same like run into the same brick yeah, walls yeah we should have her own support group yeah, support group. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. you're not included chance to buy. <laughs> no, no, until you make the oh, yeah, i should say also don't attempt to feature until you've actually made a few shorts um, yeah yeah because you do need to understand it and with the mode of thinking when i made that leap to to the uh, feature film side of things is you in in short films you're sort of thinking the scene following the afterwards and the scene beforehand and just the continuity of that but with the feature film you could be doing a scene five but you got to think of the continuity at scene 85 yeah um, to, yeah, to match yeah. and that mode of thinking has actually been the the big thing to yeah, um, well, adjust to yeah. yeah awesome um and you can find me on twitter at shane m underscore anderson uh, you can find me on Instagram at thechancester.com. And you know what a great first feature is that you should all watch that we've spoken about the entire episode. Red Curtain Hell, now available on Vimeo On Demand. That's vimeo.com slash on demand slash Red Curtain Hell. Use the code Picture Rangers to get 20% off your rental or purchase. And there's like, but there's we've got some behind the scenes shit and I, mm. I did a commentary track for it. Anyway. Oh no, don't listen to the commentary because then you'll realize that everything I said on the Red Curtain Hell episode, I just stole from the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, but 
but watch the movie. Uh, awesome. And so we'll put links to Brisbane the movie on Facebook and everything in the show notes. Uh, can we find you on any other uh, social medias? Uh, there'll be some coming. Um, part of, uh, I feel like I'm sort of extending things, but um, uh, I'm trying to keep a, a sort of fairly tight control. And this is another lesson that I've learned in social yeah. media because once the word's out, suddenly you get Facebook friend requests, you get messages coming from left, <laughs> right and centre uh, about things. And uh, because of the, the sensitive nature of the locations that I'm dealing with, yeah. et cetera, I've got to keep a very sort of uh, careful eye on things. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, so the Facebook page is, yeah, that's open for everybody to have a look at. Cool. Uh, there'll be cool. an Instagram page, of course, uh, sometime Excellent. soon, followed by web pages, blah, 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 IMDb listings. Blah, blah, blah. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, cool. Very cool. Thing. Well, thank you once again for coming on. It's very great to have you. And thank you to our listeners. We will speak with, no, wait, what is it? Tune in again next. Tune in again next week. That's what we're trying to make a thing. Tune in again next week for another exciting episode and uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.